Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of MedTech POV, the podcast brought to you by AdvaMed, the world's largest industry group for medical technology companies. I'm your host, Scott Whitaker, president and CEO of AdvaMed. And today, we're pleased to have with us Nadine Yared, president and CEO of CBRX, an innovative medtech company in the cardiovascular space. Nadine was born and raised in Lebanon and has had a remarkable career at medtech companies, both large and small. Prior to his time at CVRX, he led major divisions at both Medtronic and GE with tremendous success. I know he'll have some great insights for us all today as we talk about his career in medtech. He also has a fascinating personal background that I know you'll enjoy hearing about as well. He's currently chairman of the board of directors at NAMSA, the North American Science Associates, and recently served as chairman of our board of directors here at AdvaMed, where he did an incredible job as our first chair from a small medtech company. So please enjoy this conversation with my friend, Nadine Yared. I know you'll learn a lot as you listen. Nadim, you were the chair of AdvaMed, before that the chair of AdvaMed Excel, and you did a great job in both of those roles, obviously. Your peers voted you to take those roles, so they had a lot of confidence in you. But when did you, as a CEO of CBRX, realize the importance of federal policy and federal advocacy, not just for your company, but for the industry as a whole, and decide to really spend time and engage there? It was late 2008 exacerbated in 2009 when all of this discussion about the medical device tax as part of the Affordable Care Act. You know, the year before that, so 2008, it was more about the culture at FDA. Right. At the time, we had few interactions with FDA where clearly there was no trust between the review team at FDA and the CVRX team. Yeah. Both sides. And I was struck by the fact that, or at least the feeling from our side, was that the FDA review team had no idea of the constraints that we're trying to navigate through to get to a point, particularly when you are defining a new field, Mm -hmm. developing a treatment for resistant hypertension where not a single device has gone before. We're defining terms about what is resistant hypertension, how do you define it, what's a responder, what are the endpoints, you know, all of those elements we're discovering. And the review team at FDA, at least the way we felt it back then, was at every single moment in time looking at how we are trying to game the system rather than trying to say, well, CVRX has a big challenge ahead of them, let us help them to see through it. It was always that thing where FDA trying to figure out where are we trying to game the system so they can block it and defend it. And that attitude, that culture was totally counterproductive. Let me give you one example. We wanted to measure blood pressure before taking the morning medications. Very important for us because after taking the medications, the variability of blood pressure will be too high and that will will pollute the trial. Right. FDA would not listen. They force us into taking the endpoints two to four hours after intake of medication, which is the peak variability. And we end up with so much noise in the data that the trial was inconclusive at the end. Mm. So that cost us about 10 years in our life at CVRS. Okay. Simple thing. Uh, This is one of many, but that is a big one. 
Now, FDA is very willing to allow Medtronic to wash medications for three months for patients or six months. Back then, we just want to withhold medication two hours, and they said it's not safe. Yeah, wow. So the reason why FDA said at the time it's not safe, it was, was number one, they did not know, and number two, they were starting from the premise that we're trying to game the system to win the trial. Right. But rather than trying to understand why are we pushing this, right. and our concern was running a trial and putting patient at risk and at the end have inconclusive data. Right. So the culture at FDA is what drove me to Advamed and knocked on the door, started listening to some conversations, I started showing up at the quarterly meetings, the board meetings, got myself invited and People don't realize that most of the sessions at Avamed are open for members. Right. And I went there and spoke up and realized that actually people did listen to me. Right. And when I started talking about the culture at FDA, I felt everybody was talking the same language as I did at Avamed. And it was a shared concern, whether you're a small company or a big company. And that was one of the big efforts in 2008, 9, and 10 at Advermed of working with FDA, with the leader of FDA to help them because the intention at the top of the FDA was right on. It's just a question of you have a big ship. Right. And changing a culture at the big bureaucracy like a U.S. United States government agency, it's very difficult. Very difficult. You need to yeah. help them as much as you can, right? Right. And they really wanted to do this. And now... I look back and you heard me say this this afternoon as well in a meeting. This has happened in my lifetime, the change yeah. in culture of FDA. Now we credit the leadership at FDA, Dr. Shurin, for example, but it wasn't easy. It took a lot of right. effort for him, right. a lot of people under him, but also the help from industry and other partners for this yeah. to happen. So that drove me to Advermed. Yeah. Then the medical device excise tax. And I was maybe one of the counter voices there. I felt that excluding small companies from the medical excise tax will be counterproductive. Right. And because if you recall, maybe you don't, but in 2009, there were a lot of talks about putting an exclusion right. for medical small companies not to pay the medical device tax. Right. I was against that. Yeah. I felt that medical device companies, first, it is an ecosystem. Right. It's everything is connected. Second, the health of small companies depend a lot on the financial health of the large cap companies. Right. You know, if you look at how the large cap companies are doing in terms of growth, profitability, their stock prices and so forth, it trickles down into a cash flow funding for small companies. Because right. why? And then the large companies are acquiring technologies that's giving investors return on investment that they see so they can re-inject more money into more stories. But also they see that there is an, an exit for the investment that they right. do. So they start investing more in medtech and it's a circle. I felt that this exclusion for small companies would be counterproductive because it's not the 2% that is hurting us in smaller companies. It is the lack of capital. Right. The issue with capital formation that's hurting us more than a 2% on, on revenue. And that was a maybe a counterintuitive point, but I stood by it. And we pushed this, if you recall, and we end up mm -hmm. being in the same bucket. Right. We were a little bit criticized on this. But ultimately, when you look back at the medical device tax, and thanks to the success here of Avamed with the uh, definitive repeal a couple of years ago, when you look back, we end up paying the tax maybe two periods on January 15th in 2017. Yeah, three years. Three years. Yeah. 
And I think to your point, Nadim, having the industry fully aligned when we were trying to get it repealed was very helpful as well. Had it only been for segments of the industry, I'm not sure we would have that same success. So full alignment on the policy pre and post device tax was really important. The story that a small company can tell right. is much more telling than a large cap company. Yeah, that's the right. The perception of large cap companies about employment. All right, so now you have to not hire as many people or spend less in R&D. Okay, it's important, but it doesn't touch your fibers as much as this smaller company that's thinning the soup and barely making right. it. And they're developing this innovative technology that will treat this rare disease. And suddenly the, it's the difference between life and death for the small yeah, company, that medical right. device excise tax. Yeah. You talked about FDA and the changes you've seen culturally there. One of the things you and I have talked about and we've talked about collectively as an industry in celebrating the successes of FDA is also the need for another agency, CMS, to adopt some of the culture change as well so that we have a little better collaboration there too early in the process to give you better indications of outcomes at the end of the day. Are there lessons you think CMS could learn from what FDA has done that might be applicable so that both of us are on the same page of trying to achieve a goal is to get new technologies to patients who are waiting for it, right? There are a lot of similarities in both situations. The leadership at the top is very intent on doing the right things, whether it's the FDA in 2008, 9, and 10, or CMS, you know, the past couple of years. Right. No question about it. And it's the implementation and turning the ship around that's a little bit harder. Now, I saw recently at CMS a very nice graph showing, you know, how they articulate the vision and the mission, and they have the patient at the center of it all. Right. And that's very telling. Right. right. So they get the heart in the right place. Now, the question is, is it this trickling down to all of the elements of the big bureaucratic government agency and in CMS you have to look at it in different departments you know the payments the right. coverage and so forth and the second element is when you are struggling because you don't have enough resources it's hard for you to focus on the software i.e the culture right okay you're barely making it and you're kind of trying to whip your employees to be able to deliver the stuff they need to deliver that they're late on it's hard for you then as a leader, as a middle manager or an upper manager to step back to say, all right, how can I motivate my team more? We need to help them to get off this rat race for a, just a little bit, give them a little bit of room so that they can sit down and reflect about how they can inject some elements of the culture that will trickle down to all of the corners of the uh, organization. I don't know how this could be done to give them that break because- right. We need to keep innovating. We need to keep delivering products. Patients still have, you know, Medicare patients still have to have access to therapies. Physicians and hospitals doing these procedures still get, should get paid. So we right. cannot stop the day-to-day -day work that CMS has to do, unfortunately. Right, yeah, that's but right. But yet we need to give them that room so they can step back and rethink about how to change the culture or how to implement the culture change they really want to do. Yeah. You know, one of the things that struck me during the pandemic and one of the lessons I learned going through it, I think I knew this and we all kind of intuitively knew it, but it really jumped off the page during the pandemic was the importance of public private partnerships and collaboration, not one party government or the other party private enterprise 
is going to solve the most pressing crisis that we face. And we don't need to be at odds with one another, right? I mean, we should see each other as partners in this ultimate goal of improving the health care of everybody in this country. And when we're fighting with each other, it makes it more difficult. When we understand each other and collaborate together, the outcomes are tremendous, right? As you saw with the ventilator surge and as you saw with the diagnostic work that the industry did as well. And part of what I want to do at AdvaMed, and I know this is your vision too, is to continue that sort of public-private partnership that helps everybody be better. And maybe that's a message that we can continue to reiterate to our government partners. Absolutely. This is music to my ears, Scott. So you definitely know, but maybe the audience doesn't know that I also serve on the board of MDIC, the Medical Device Innovation Consortium, right? And AdvaMed is a member of MDIC. MDIC is a private-public partnership, FDA, CMS, NIH, medical device industry, patient advocacy groups. Basically, we come together to work on the regulatory science. And we recently added an executive to the MDIC by the name of Joe Carroll Hyatt as the vice president that focuses on health economics and patient value. And she works very closely with the coverage and analysis group at CMS. That's an example of a private-public partnership at the beginning of the effort. And this could lead to something very, very big. But the other element of what you're saying here is very important. What has helped FDA in 2009 and 10 was that when the leadership of FDA came to industry and asked for help. Right, right. I do remember Dr. Shuren coming to an AdvaMed board of director and saying, all right, you guys have had experiences implementing cultural changes in big companies. We would love to learn from you. Right. And that led to many initiatives between the medical device companies and FDA to try to share best practices in both ways. Right. And that lowered the walls and created a more trustworthy environment between the two entities. I wish we can replicate this with CMS, Scott, so something to think about. Yeah, and I think that's our next big project, Nadim. I think what you and I both know is that the people at CMS are really good people who want to do the right things. They're oftentimes bound by regulation or bound by federal law that makes it a little bit difficult. But we're there not to complicate, but to help solve problems for them, right? And as we're working together to solve those problems, the more we work together, the more likely it is that we have good outcomes for patients, which is the message we've been trying to send. And I know their heart's in the right place. We just need to find a way to collaborate better to get to the right place, right? Exactly, exactly, Scott. Listen, when I joined CVRX in 2006, one of the first advices I received was totally wrong. An unnamed executive told me, Nadim, listen, when dealing with the FDA, don't ask a question because you may get an answer that you don't like. Mm. That's the absolute wrong thing to do. Right. Please do not do this. Ask all of the questions that you can think of. Right. It's better to know now what FDA is thinking. And if you see a disconnect between their understanding and yours, this is the time to fix the disconnect. Right. The other thing that Dr. Shuren did is he encouraged the FDA reviewers to wanting to listen to the business plans of a medical device company when they go and present a clinical trial, for example, to understand the vision, so that they understand the constraints with which the company or the startup is working. These are great examples that we could replicate with CMS. Yeah, 
Yeah, there's a lot of learnings there. This has been a great session, Nadim, and I, I want to wrap up with just one overarching question. Given your journey in large companies, given your journey as the CEO of a startup and a small company and the growth you've seen with CBRX, as you look and others listen to this podcast, they may think, you know, I love what Nadim has accomplished. What advice, I wonder, would he give me if I want to go down this same path? Someone inside a company who wants to become a CEO of a small company or a large company, what leadership advice, what lessons would you share with those who want to come behind you, Nadim, that you think could benefit them today? Yeah, I'm not sure I'm a good example, but let me try a few elements, Scott, that could help people. Number one, the larger the company, the stronger the culture, the more time you as an employee of that large company, you will spend focused internally. Right. You have to break this cycle. Right. You have to get out, join Advermed, join other associations, find other avenues where you can interact with peers of yours from different industries mm. and start building your network. Right. The more you do this, the more at ease you will be trying to understand that there is a world outside of General Electric, there is a world outside of Medtronic. And when I look back, I think that was one of my early mistakes is I was so much focused on my company and my customers and I forget the right. rest of the ecosystem. Right. And you probably heard me criticize sometimes, you know, people like myself right. 15 years ago. Yes. Get out now, you know. The Avamed annual meeting, when we go back to the real world, right. would be a phenomenal opportunity to go to listen to speakers, but also to network with people. Right. That's what are going to define you, you know, in the future. The second element is don't be afraid. The risk profile is very different when you're working in a large company, an established company versus a startup. But also the risk reward profile is less skewed in a startup. Let me explain that. If you are in a large company and you take a big risk and you're successful, you'll get a tap on your back, you may get a promotion, an increase of salary of 10%, but that's it. Right. But if you fail, often you may might, you know, find that you're out uh, you're without a job. Right. Now, contrast that with a smaller company. If you fail a small company, same thing, you end up without a job. But if you're successful, just the satisfaction of looking back what you've built, mm. that right. alone is worth the journey. And there are other, you know, financial considerations to look at. So it's more symmetric right. in a small company. The upside is there as well as the downside. Whereas in a large company, often the upside is not there. And therefore you become a little bit more risk averse right. when you're in a large company. Right. When you go back to a small company, don't be risk averse, be risk neutral. Therefore take right. the risk because the upside is there. Yeah. Well, that's great advice for anyone who's listening. We appreciate you sharing that. Nadim, let me just close by saying thank you. I think on behalf of uh, AdvaMed and our organization and the entire industry, for your years of service to AdvaMed, your role in chairing AdvaMed Excel, the small companies, and helping so many young CEOs and emerging CEOs find their way, and then taking over and chairing the, the full board during a really challenging time, honestly. Four years ago, I think it was, when you took over. We made a lot of progress during that time in spite of all the challenges we faced, right? And kept the device tax from coming back. We had a lot of progress with FDA. And so 
I think all of us are grateful for your time that you've spent, extra time that you've spent while you've been a CEO of a small company helping support us. So we're grateful for that. And I know I speak on behalf of the entire board. We're grateful for your time at AdvinMed. So thank you. And thanks for spending time with us here today. We appreciate it. Thank you, Scott. For those of you listening, thanks for tuning in. For more episodes, visit advamed.org slash podcast or subscribe to MedTech POV on your favorite streaming platform. Until next time, this is Scott Whitaker. Have a great day.